Somebody's going to go bridge here. It's better time. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gone Bridge Podcast, episode 13. My name is Andrew Gardner, joined alongside by Alex Clausen and Steve Brady. Boys, how are we doing today? Fantastic for the 13th week in a row. <laughs> yeah, just peachy. Take one out awesome. of Clausen's book. Hey, no complaints. In fact, the Red Sox finally did something. Sound the alarms, ring the bells. I can't believe it. Alert the press. Alert the press. Honestly, Heim Bloom came out of hibernation and he said, this is my week and I'm going to make it everyone's problem. And we signed three guys, actually signed two guys this week, traded for another reliever. I think that the general consensus is two thumbs up. Yeah, two thumbs up for sure. I'm pretty happy with these moves. It seems like everything uh, felt like it had a purpose. We weren't just doing random stuff to be like, hey, we're doing some stuff. Everything really just sits well with me. Uh, I think it's especially interesting we were able to pull a trade off with the Yankees for the first time since like, what, 2014? Like, I, like I had no idea. Well, we, we did the, trade. yeah, the, the long-awaited Stephen Drew trade with Kelly Johnson, which oh, we have yeah. done in the history yeah. books. But I mean, the first one of real, like, material interest in a long time. Yeah, so... For those of you who don't know what that trade consisted of, we got, what's his name, Ottavino. Is that how you say it? Adam Ottavino. Yeah. And a pitching prospect for either – we. so we took on all of Ottavino's large-ish contract. It's, uh, it's about $12 million, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it, it's not horrible. Yeah. It's eight and a half. Oh, it's – We're taking on 95% of it or something like that. And we got a pitching prospect for either a player to be named later or cash considerations, I believe. So we did not give up much. It was more of a salary dump for the Yankees than anything else. But he, I would argue, is automatically our best arm in the bullpen at this point now. Maybe I don't think I don't think anyone's going to argue with you on that. Matt Barnes, I guess. I don't know. Ottavino had a pretty down season Year last two. season. But that was a shortened season. I know Clausen hates that season. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't take 2020 with any, uh, any serious measure. No. Uh, I, last week in our episode, I had said, I want the Red Sox to go out and get three guys. Kike Hernandez, who we got. Alex yeah. Colome, who was a bullpen pitcher. And instead we got Ottavino, fine. And Jake Odorizzi. And instead we get Garrett Richards. We got, we, I mean – they weren't the exact guys that I said, but we filled the same spots and I couldn't be happier with time because if I was the GM, those were the three spots I was going for as well. Yeah, it feels great to be a Sox fan this week. I'll tell you that much. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a huge weight off our shoulders. I've been like Yankees are making moves left and right. Resigning DJ, bringing in Kluber. I mean, nothing fancy. There's not like a ton of big name free agents, but you see that and people are like, Oh, the poverty Red Sox doing nothing again. And finally, we do something this week. Just take take a sigh of relief. Finally, felt good too. And it's right. It's right when people were writing off Heim Bloom too. They were ready to kick him out of Boston. Yeah, for what? Gay trades for Ottavino, signs Richards. Boom, boom, boom. Heim Bloom, and the ready best, to go. Twenty twenty. Best part is that he said that this might not be the end of things. That he still might have some stuff up his sleeve. And that I think the Red Sox have about what five to six million dollars left before they hit that luxury tax threshold. 
Uh, he said that that's not going to be like a hard cap limit. And if they end up do, going over it a little bit, then so be it, which I think is awesome. Yeah, even if you're stuck at $6 million, you can get a solid, uh, solid piece for that, a quality pitcher, somebody who we can confidently throw out there instead of maybe somebody else that's already on the roster. Yeah. Middle-of-the-road bullpen pieces are not that expensive. Get nope. somebody pretty good for six mil. I think they're probably done getting starting pitching. When you look at it, they if they sign somebody else, they might have kicked somebody out. So I think yeah. we have, like, this is strange to say that we have pitching depth. But with that, you know, to a certain extent, bullpen pieces. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that the only position that they're going to be going at right now is the bullpen. The interesting piece right now is the 40-man roster. That's what is going to be the complicated situation at this point because you've got a couple prospects on there and you've got a couple like fringe players like Arroyo and I know Pedroia is taking up a spot. So it's going to be interesting because there's probably going to be one to two players released. If I had to guess, if we sign another guy, then it's not even, I guess it will need to happen. Yeah. So, so last time I checked, I thought we were at 39. I think we're at 39 40, and we needed to make space for the three guys that we got. Right. So that four, would mean, four guys. I guess the prospects probably not going to make the 40 minutes. No, I think it was just, we would need to clear up two spots. So I would think Pedroia would probably yeah. be one of them. Right. And then, yeah, I think he'll probably get bought out. And then the other spot is way up in the air. I mean, there's a couple pitchers, maybe, I don't know, like Jay Groom is one of them, but do you really want to like release him? He still has some promise. I'm thinking honestly, Christian Arroyo might be that guy. Yeah. I don't think you can release Jay Groom right now. No, that just that makes no sense, especially with how depleted our farm is. You're just going to get rid of Jay Groom. Yeah, I think it's about second base being kind of crowded now with Kike and Chavis. I think they either try and move Chavis or get rid of Arroyo. What about Chavis looks like he's going to the outfield? Who? Chavis. If I had to guess where he's going to go, he'll probably be. He'll probably play a little bit of everything. But if he still is on the roster by the time the season gets going, he'll probably play a little bit. Uh, a little bit outfield. Yeah, you know, Chavis is really getting phased out. And I said this weeks ago, I was like, this guy's going to be the next Travis Shaw, and. You know, we got signed Kike. But I think, honestly, Kike is probably going to be the outfielder. Um, overall, you guys do like the Kike signing, though? I know we've been talking about the rumors for weeks, but now that he's officially a Red Sox or a Red Sox player, we like it. Yeah, I mean, it can only help us, for yeah. sure. We needed a solid second baseman, and we got one. And he can play a little bit of everywhere, too. I'm sure he's going to spend most of his time at second base, but just having the ability to put him in different spots is really useful. Like we saw with Brock Holt. So I love it. Yeah. I mean, at the plate, he's going to hit like 240, 50 homers, 50 RBIs. He'll be a good second baseman. 50 homers. (laughs) That is a lot. (laughs) 15. Oh, I thought you said 50. I thought you said 50 50 RBI. Okay. okay. He's going to be, he's going to be like Barry Bonds. I think he'll hit more than 50 home runs though. If he's an everyday player. That'd be pretty nice. Yeah. If we had, we had our second baseman hitting 50 homers a year. Oh, game Woo. over. I but think he'll probably play around like 120 games. Yeah, I would say 120, 130. And then he can also go into the outfield too. But the other part about Kike that we don't get to in the stat book is how much of a character he is. You know how the Sox were like so boring in 2020? Verdugo was really the only guy that was 
up and out and had character and everybody else. I think it was a Ron Renicky thing. I think that Ron Renicky is like, he's just his old guy. He wasn't really there to get much done where I think you take AC, you take Verdugo and now you take Kike and it's just going to be like a party every day. Might be having a little bit of fun out there. Yeah. What do you know? Wait, we're allowed to do that? Not since 2018. We're not. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when you look at that 2018 team, I mean, it was a ton of fun, obviously, but a lot of those good, good character and clubhouse guys like Joe Kelly and Brock Holt, and I guess kind of Mookie Betts as well. They're all gone. And yeah, we've been missing that for a little bit now. And honestly, I think that that's an undervalued piece of a team is how good their clubhouse chemistry is. Cause that 2013, that 2013 team on paper is not a world series team, but when you mix Johnny Gomes and David Ross and Salty and Shane Victorino and all those guys, Napoli, it just meshes and it somehow works. You guys remember uh wind dancer Pete? That was fun, right? Mm-hmm. I do you remember that? Greg, not a little bit, but yeah. It was cool for a while. Wind dancer Pete was awesome. And then uh just a couple years later, we're almost gonna not have any of those guys anymore. Benny? What do you see staying? What's going on with that? Staying? I think he's going to stay. I think he's going to stay. Um, each day that goes by and that he's still on the team, I get more and more confident that he will be around for opening day, which I think is a good move. People are saying like, oh, we could trade him to free up a little like more cap space. I mean, why would we do that? Hein just said that he's willing to go a little bit over the luxury tax. That's totally fine. And again, um, I know we had people reach out to us and be like, this is why it's smart to trade him now. His numbers are on the decline. Like, yes, his numbers are on the decline, but realistically it's just one data point. It went from 2018, to 2019, 2020 is a fraud. It just doesn't count. He I mean, played one game essentially. He had like 40 at bats all season. Like, yeah, he sucked, but like who didn't like, why is no one freaking out about JD for all of a sudden going to freak out about 2020? Like no one's talking about how JD barely scraped together a 200 average last year. So I think if Andrew Benatendi has another really bad season this year and 2022 is his last year under contract. Yeah. Trade him and get some pieces. Like why not? You don't want to let him walk then for nothing but he's still got some good potential. Yeah. Let's not beat a dead horse, but looks like Benny is going to, again, it might be maybe potentially be on the roster come opening day. I could see it. I think the window was two weeks ago for them to get for him to trade him. Cause I think at that point, Heim was actively shopping. And if he didn't get anything, then he's probably not getting anything now. So I think if the socks are out of it in July, then I think we could see a lot of moves at oh, the trade yeah. deadline, including Benny. But until then, I think Benny's pretty safe and left. Yeah, I completely agree. And just to keep going with this conversation about free agents, Richards, we haven't really touched on him. I guess we, we like that one too. I mean, For sure. I, I think uh, – I looked at his stats the other day. I mean, he was, I got a, him right here. he was approaching ace status before he tore his Achilles a couple of years ago. Yeah, with the Angels in 2014 was his best year, 13 and fourth, a 2.6 ERA. That's yes. good. Filthy. I mean, awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean even 3.6 ERA. He dipped a little bit with the Padres. He had an ERA in the fives, and then it kind of came down. But I think that if he shows up, he's going to be a good I think, three. Piece. Yeah, I think he's a three. I would he's say a, he's a, like very three, solid three, three ERAs. 
Very good. He's better than he's better than Perez. I will say that. Yeah, for sure. Definitely um, a higher. So I guess right now we're looking at Erod, Eovaldi, Richards, um, Perez, and Pavetta probably. Maybe Hauk. We'll see how spring training goes. Now you got Sale coming back at some point. Ah, uh, do we though? <laughs> eh, not really. It's, I don't it's think. It's fun to dream, dude. Hopefully. I'm pulling for it. It's going to happen, though. Let's be realistic. It doesn't read between the lines. Yeah, he's, he's probably not coming. He's not. I mean, <laughs> they were like – The one thing that frustrated me about that was that all – Well, end of 2019, I mean, his arm was just not Ooh. right. And we all, we all know it. And all offseason, they're like, oh, he'll be fine. He got a shot. He'll be okay. And then we get to the season, like a week before the season, they're like, no, let's do the surgery right now. We waited like four months where he could have been in recovery. Let's just do it now. And I was like, like that kind of made me frustrated. They could have pushed that surgery way back and he would have been just about ready for opening day this year. And instead, probably no Chris Sale for at least half the year, most likely not at all. Yeah, they're going to be abundantly cautious. Watch them get hot. And then Chris Sale comes right in. Don't let this team get hot. Well, yeah, I, I would really hate for anyone to let this team get hot. I don't think yeah. you want to do that. There's a lot of people that can get pretty hot on this team. Maybe cause some problems for other people in the AL East. Mm-hmm. If Chris, if you let Chris Sale get hot too, he might start cutting up the other team's uh, jerseys like he did with the White Sox. You just yeah. don't know. At the same very time, underrated. If we're uh, very underrated good. action in Chris Sale's career. We forget about that. Yeah, no one, no one talks about that. Yeah, what, dude, were, people what were those jerseys that? again? They were like, weren't they like they uh, were White Sox throwbacks with collars on it? Yeah. Like, ooh. I for some reason I want to say that the pants were like weird. They were like shorts or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, there was something about them that just was very irregular from any other Reds or it did not sit right. White Sox jersey. And was he pitching that day and he was just like Hell no, I'm not wearing these. I think so. the whole thing was that he he told them before. He was like, I don't like those jerseys. And the team was said back. Yeah, like, I think he was he was mad that the front office was putting like profits of jersey sales over the comfort of the players and performance, which is a fair, yeah. a fair point. If they're the material was bad too. Yeah, yeah. Nah, crazy Chris Sale moment. Hopefully he'll be back this year. But I mean, looking at that five. That's that's solid. It's probably the second best rotation in the AL East. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know if I'm willing to like give them any credit yet. Yeah, no, that's fair. For, the Jays and Rays will surprise people, I think. I I agree. I think. I mean, I was looking at the Orioles rotation. You get past like um, John Means and Not a single person. Is, I think is Bundy still on the team? He might be there too. And then after that, it's like. Couldn't even okay. tell you. If my life depended on it. Right now, I might be able to name three active Orioles players. One, Chris Davis. Mm-hmm. Two, maybe Mark Trumbo. Three, There's no way Trumbo. Not. Yeah, no way he's done. He, he played in like 2016, right? He was almost the home run leader, though. Yeah, I let's remember put, that. Let's play a little game here. Let's go around. Each person say Orioles player. Let's see how far we can get. All right, I already started Chris Davis. All right, Chris Davis. I'll go um, – Oh shoot! Who did I just say was their number one? John Means. John Means. Uh, Adam Jones is gone. <laughs> yeah. He was the big one. 
Uh, Adley Rushman, is he up? Mm, I think he's I still like so. double A. <laughs> All right, well, we got through two people. Wait, this might be uh, – this one's kind of iffy. Trey Mancini, I don't think he's playing right now. But he's, he's up. Yep, he's area. coming back. What about Renato That's Nunez? Never heard that name in my and life. And he's not on the team anymore. He's on the right – well, anyways. Um, Orioles fans, you're in our thoughts. I'm sorry. You're in our thoughts. Well, I don't know. I The Orioles in, like, the mid-2010s, they had a great team. I mean, Adam Jones and Mark uh, – Matt Wieters – Chris Davis when he could actually hit a baseball. Look, if they put Zach Britton in that one time on the wild card, who knows? Who knows, right? Who knows? I mean, honestly. I, I still defend that decision not to put him in. That's ridiculous. It's a win now game. It's clearly uh, hear me the out. worst decision they could have made because they lost the game. No, no, no. No, hear me out. <laughs> so I'm going to make this quick. Say the Blue Jays don't hit that – don't score that run. Say the say it's the other way around. The Orioles, like you put Zach Britton in, then he saves them, and then the Orioles go and score a run, and they have to go put somebody else in. They're just going to give up a run. So why wouldn't you just like give it out and then put Zach Britton in when you know you're going to win? Oh look, you know what I mean. Like put him in in a true safe situation. The thing about that is, is that um, that's not what happened. And in fact, uh, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Steve Edwin Encarnacion just demolished a ball off Ibaldo Jimenez. That was what actually happened. Yeah. In Steve, fact, I, if if we had hindsight, don't you think we would have pulled Wakefield in the O three ALCS? All right, we're getting too far into this now. <laughs> no, no, I was three years old. If there was hindsight in baseball, history would be rewritten. All right, real quick oh. though. Going back way, way back, like to 10 minutes ago when we were talking about something else. Um, if we're bad by the trade deadline, who do you guys see us shipping off? Do you do you see us getting rid of like Kike and maybe like Ottavino or other guys like that? Um, I think Kike, honestly, no. I could kind of see him just like existing for the next year or two, like not really being a huge trade piece, but being like a solid player for the Red Sox. Ottavino, yes. If the Red Sox are really sucking at the trade deadline, um, you're essentially getting another free prospect from him because when you ate his contract, the Yankees gave you a prospect. And if you trade him away, you're basically just getting like two free prospects for a little bit of cash at the end of the day. So if the Red Sox stink, I think Ottavino, yes. Richards, Richards, yes. I'm going to say Richards, yes, too, especially because he's just on a one-year deal. And if he's really lighting it up, I think he'd have a good market. I think it probably yeah, depends it, on how they're performing. Yeah, that's the thing. I was going to say, yeah, it depends on if, if he's just stinking it up, then you just eat the rest of his $10 million contract. Uh, JD, I think, would probably be on the top of my list of guys to go. Because mm-hmm. if he's – I mean, if we're bad at the trade deadline – and somebody that needs a power bat and JD is back to where he was or close to it two years ago, then I think you can get your biggest haul back for JD. But a guy like Kike, I don't really see the point of trading away because he's not going to bring back that much. Like he's only a seven, $8 million a year shortstop or second baseman. You're not going to get that much value back, but JD, if he's lighting it up, he can get you 15 to 20 homers after the all-star break then that's pretty valuable. Good point. I got but, one other. Uh, also, JD's value uh, could be increased too because 
Is it confirmed that we're doing Universal DH next season? No, actually, the, uh, like, that was one thing I wanted to say is that the Players Union rejected that and the expanded playoffs, which I might be one of the few. I was actually kind of happy to see that. I like the traditionalist style where it's AL and NL. I know, Clawson, you're shaking your head. I like yeah. that. I'll let Clawson go first, but I also have a pick. But I also will just say I, I guess just... quickly that I didn't really like I... the expanded playoffs, so I was happy that they're not doing that again. I agree with that. Expanded playoffs were fine. Um, I get why they didn't go forward with it. I think playoffs, you have to make it – you can't make it as exclusive as, like, college football where it's four teams. But I think it's fair to have it not be just open market to anybody who's half good. Yeah, you know I, mean, I mean, I think you have the to Marlins, have some threshold to be in the yeah, playoffs. The Marlins beat the Cubs last year in a best of the three. Like, it right. just doesn't – I don't like that. I don't need to see that every year. But the Universal DH – I think it just keeps dragging baseball back to where it doesn't need to go where we're stepping into kind of a new era of baseball that isn't set in 1910 by adding in, I mean, nobody wants to see a pitcher go to bat. Like that's the part, like if you want to make baseball more exciting, then nobody actually cares when Garrett Richards steps up to bat or David price, like people are just going to go get a hot dog instead or go to the bathroom. But if you have somebody I don't know, half good who can actually get on base, then people are going to pay attention. And I think it gets rid of, I think it's a stupid strategy. People that blame strategy, I think it's stupid. You're asking for your pitcher to get out. Like I love the strategy guarantee- part of it. I you're love just it. guaranteeing an out every inning. Hey, no, I love it. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me make my piece before we get into that part because I also have stuff to say about that part. If you were AL fans, obviously, we watch 99.9% of – like baseball games that are in the AL. And uh, if you're an NL fan and you're used to the pitcher going to bat, I'm sure your opinion is different than our opinion because you're used to something different than we're used to. Uh, There's certain pitchers that are good at hitting. Mad Bum was pretty decent at hitting for a while. I liked the stat where he had a complete game shutout one time and they won one nothing because he hit a solo home run in like the seventh. That was cool. I did like that. But at the same time, this is the MLB, and there's two different leagues with two different sets of rules. And we're supposed to compare the teams from one league to another league as if they're completely under the same circumstances and they're not, or a pitcher from the NL and how he's going to perform in the AL. As as small as it might factor in the fact that they have to face a pitcher, it's, it is a difference. And the consistency that a universal DH would bring to the table is the main reason why I personally would want it to be put into place. Yeah, no, I agree with you there that it's really crazy that the, the most popular and um, the best baseball league in all of the world has two separate leagues with, you know, one rule that is, uh, you know, it, it changes the way the game is played for both, uh, both leagues. But honestly, I'll say two things. I think, yes, like numbers in the NL may be a, di- a little bit different. Like pitchers, if you're a pitcher, you get to face a pitcher probably around 60 times. And that's basically just about 60 free outs a year. But also if we change this rule, we're never going to get moments like Bartolo Colon hitting a home run again. And I just can't give that up. I yeah. Mean- I think that there is some value, like there's the very rare value of a hit, of a pitcher hitting a dinger, but I would much rather watch 
some guy in the NL, like, I don't, I don't know who would be, a, you know, who is a good NLDH this year, hit some 400 foot tank. I would rather watch that once a week than have the uh, maybe excitement of a pitcher hitting a home run once a year. Yeah. Well, that's Remember the thing. Ricardo hit that double in LA. That was cool. Yeah. And he hit the, was it a triple off Scherzer too? I don't know. Pitchers who rate, bro. I yeah. think it was off Scherzer. Yeah. Former teammates. But, um, you know, I, honestly, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be upset if they changed it at all because, uh, you know, it's cool. I mean, it's interesting how a guy like Nelson Cruz, like he can basically only play in the American league because he's a DH and same thing with David Ortiz. Like he could never play in the national league unless somehow he wanted to play first base, like 140 games a year. But imagine in the NBA, if the East had a four point line and the West didn't something like that, that'd be crazy. Right. Be crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just how baseball has been for a very long time. I, I think that's why a lot of us don't really bat an eye at it, even though when you do break it down, it's kind of crazy. Um, so anyway, yeah. Free agents, Red Sox went out, got three guys. We're all happy about that. The other big news of the week was the hall of fame vote, which if you haven't listened to, what was it, episode three? Yeah. Think- which you might not you probably haven't not a lot of people have but uh go back and listen to that quality is not as good as it now is now but anyways the voters stink i mean really nobody i mean i got so many takes on this situation i'll just stay one and then you guys can follow what you want to say kurt schilling is should not be held out of the hall of fame for his political views i do not agree with his political views at all However, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, that's ridiculous. I don't care if you agree with him or don't agree with him. He is a Hall of Fame player. This is about baseball. Yeah. Right? This is about baseball. Are you, good at, are you good enough at baseball? Did you have a good baseball career, a Hall of Fame-worthy career? If your name is Kirk Schilling, then yes, you, you did. There's, the fact that they left – did some voters not even turn in their ballots? In, there were on, like – like 13 of them or something like that there were there were more than a handful of people who got their ballot you are working your entire career to the point you're writing for 20 years so you can get the chance to vote for the hall of fame and they send you a ballot and you say you know what i'm too good for this i'm not voting for anyone you stink you are the worst and the worst part about it is they felt so proud of it there was some guy Oh he was God. a baseball writer that got a ballot and he was one of the ones that came out and said that he left it blank. And when the announcement came out, he posted some gif on Twitter or something of like a blank book or something. People were ripping him in his comments. He deleted it after, which is good. But like, I don't know how you work. As you said, you work that hard and you work for that long to get a hall of fame vote and you're proud to leave it blank. It just doesn't make sense to me. We looked at all the players on the ballot, and there's more than just Kurt Schilling who you could justify that deserved. Oh vote. yeah, That's even just... outside of the steroids guys, you can justify the fact that there were Hall of Fame careers in uh in uh that ballot that deserved a little bit of boost in percentage. If they're not first ballot, maybe someday. You can't just leave it blank. Yeah, I mean, are you telling me that uh, besides if you don't want to vote for Schilling, Bonds, and Clemens, which is completely crazy and I'm not going to keep getting into this, but are you still telling me that 
out of these other players, such as Scott Rowland and Billy Wagner and Todd Helton, Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones, Manny Ramirez, Mark Burley, like, yeah, some of those names aren't Hall of Fame names, but out of all of those, you're not going to vote for one of them. Really? Baseball writers are the worst because whenever anything happens, they're just old, old dudes that want to say how much better they are than everybody else because they have this certain opinion. And if you have a different opinion, then you're ruining the game of baseball. So Steve, Steve, um, so the, the take that you had that's gotten us to this point was that Derek Jeter is overrated. That was, that was the thing that first got us noticed. Uh, it's a great, it's a great take. However, Derek Jeter, you're a voter. Derek Jeter's on the Hall of Fame ballot. You have this take, but are you still voting for Jeter? Well, obviously. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Like, there was somebody who didn't even vote for Jeter. Like, that is insane. Yeah. I mean, you can – we say what we want about Jeter, but, like, yeah, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Was Mariano Rivera the first unanimous – um, yeah yeah i mean babe that's ruth it. and ken griffey jr ken griffey. yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say ken griffey should have been first uh unanimous unanimous yeah no there's a lot of the the problem is that i i don't i can't think of a way that they can change the system because then you would have guys being like oh well if the way like if the, i don't know how they would change it but if they did and they were like Oh, well, if this type of voting system was around when I didn't get into the Hall of Fame, like that's crap. Like I should be in. However, I think that there should be a better way to regulate who gets to vote for the Hall of Fame. I don't know if it's um, maybe like, like even like a fan vote, like isn't it in other sports that fans and coaches and other players get more of a say who gets put into the Hall of Fame? I don't know about fans, maybe, but I, I think that pl- other players – Definitely other coaches, other people that know the game should have some kind of say. Yeah, I think that maybe there should be like a like a pool of players. I don't know. Maybe they start their own organization and they vote because maybe on the 300 some odd writers who get to vote and they vote who gets to vote for the Hall of Fame. So You know what you're describing? The Veterans Committee that already exists. <laughs> wait, wait, but wait. Yeah. Uh, did you guys see Kurt Schilling was, he said that he didn't want to be on the ballot next year. They're not taking him off. Did you see that that he said that though? No, I didn't even see that. Yeah. Yeah, Kurt Schilling said, uh, he was pretty much just like F this and F all of you, uh, take me off the ballot next year. This is absolute horse crap. And he said that he wanted to defer to the veterans committee or whatever it was. Yeah. But, so I don't, uh, nah. I think, I think the hall of fame came back and said, we're not letting you just drop your name off the ballot that easy. So I think he's got one more year left, but yeah, the veterans committee basically just works after the writer's committee. So if you don't make it within 10 years, then you can go to appeal and it's just a bunch of like ex baseball players, I think. Yeah. So now, Here's the question I have for you guys. So next year, it's going to be Clemens, Bonds, and Schillings, all of their last years on the ballot. Do you think that – because I know that there have been writers in the past who will, like, basically just make these guys wait as long as possible to get into the Hall of Fame. Out. Yeah, like you're a Hall of Famer, but you're not like – you got to wait a little bit for it. Do you think that there are – because Schilling was only 16 votes shy of getting it. Do 
you think that there are at least 16 guys who feel that Schilling is a Hall of Famer, but maybe was like, listen, you got to wait one more year. That's just how the, the ball rolls. Yeah, I think that could be the case. Yeah. As far as uh, Clemens and Bonds go, I don't. I, th- I think I think they're too far away, honestly. Yeah, I think the problem with Clemens this year was that it was just so new because he came out in support of the Capitol riots and stuff. You mean and it's been one of those things that, like, you pretty much just get shunned from society, you know, rightfully so if you support that. But I think it was just oh, I, he should have gotten in before now. I mean, obviously, he's a terrible person outside of baseball, but I just think it was all too new for these guys to vote in for somebody with that. Um, and then Bond. So I think I don't think Clemens and Bonds are going to get in. I think this was probably their best chance. But the argument I keep seeing for Bonds is that Bud Selig got in, and Bud Selig was the guy who let steroids run through baseball and he didn't do anything about it. And he got in, and he saved baseball. Like he is literally the reason why baseball didn't go into the tubes during the nineties. So I think with Bud Selig getting in, and I think it's one of those things of Bud Selig saved baseball, but without Barry Bonds, Bud Selig doesn't save baseball. So I think he's kind of that un, you know, unconnected, not maybe not unconnected, but you know, that secondary piece of why Bud Selig saved baseball. So I think, at, you know, out of Clemens and Bonds, I think Bonds should get it first. Um, I think if one goes in, the other will, but I don't see either of them getting in next year. I think if they both go to the veterans committee, I think they have a much better shot at getting in. And we've seen over the past couple of years that their voting totals have risen a little bit this year. It was just about the same, right? I don't think they went up. I think it was like exactly. The same. I think it was just about the same right around 61%. Um, I just think that. So if Schilling was 16 votes shy at like, four percent they've got to make up what somewhere around like 70 70 votes or 80 votes i just think that's too many yeah i don't yeah. think it's happening it's not feasible um unfortunately it's too bad yeah the other thing that we have to get excited about though is that next year is david ortiz's first year on the ballot um do we yeah, think or getting in yeah that was what i was gonna ask um i think personally i mean i would vote for him very easily um, you know, people will say that, oh, like he might have taken steroids, this and that. I think he's a Hall of Famer, no doubt. Well, I think he gets – well, I, I don't know if he gets in first ballot. I think he will get in, though. I, I think that the steroid stuff isn't concrete enough for that to be held against him, at least in a wide enough scope where enough voters are going to take it into consideration. He is probably, without a doubt, the most clutch hitter of all time. Mm-hmm. He is the best DH of all time. The only thing that really doesn't go in his favor outside of, I guess, the steroids thing is the fact that he is a DH. And I just don't see a DH getting on first ballot or in first ballot. So the DH, the DH argument, I don't know that he's first ballot either, but I think where Edgar Martinez got in yep. and I think where he's in that same conversation as Martinez for best DH of all time, I don't think that you can put DH against Ortiz as a case against him. Um, and yeah, I agree. I think the steroid case is not concrete enough. There are guys in this list. I have the list up that were bigger steroid users than David Ortiz that I think will get in before him. So I think it's, uh, you know, it'll be curious. I'll be curious to see how, how it runs out next year. Cause there are, there is one notorious steroid user 
that is on the top of this list. Uh, oh, yeah. So A-Rod's the other um, guy who's going to be on the ballot next year. Um, what I was going to say about Ortiz with the DH is, yeah, a lot of people are like, well, he's a DH. That's going to go against him. I disagree with that. You see so many people and players get thrown into the DH role and how many of them can consistently perform in that role. You saw even on the Red Sox, I mean, Hanley with DH, like a lot of the times when a guy is DHing every day, his numbers go down. And I've heard players say it's a tough role. You go to the ballpark, you sit on the bench for most of the game, you get up three or four times, you know, you're not out in the field. You're basically watching most of the game. And for like 90% of hitters, they can't do it. And for a guy like Ortiz to do that basically his whole career and be so good at it, I think that speaks volume. Yeah, it's not easy, like you said. It's similar, if you really think about it, to putting a pitcher or elite pitcher into a setup role or a closer role. Just because you pitch doesn't mean you can do that. Just because you hit doesn't mean you can be a DH. It takes a certain uh, set of skills especially like being clutch. It's an intangible thing. Obviously David Ortiz had it and that's what made him great. Yeah. He, he, was, he was the best at what he did. No, I was just going to say he was the best at what he did. Mariano was the best closer. He was the best at what he did. He would only come in one inning, not even every game. Unanimous. Yeah. I mean, I think DH probably gets swept under the rug for how difficult it is because I think a lot of people say, Oh, you just have to go up and you have to hit three times a day. And you don't have to go into the field. You don't have to worry about any of that. Like you can just focus on hitting, but I mean, you're right. Like just be only focusing on hitting, not getting up and not doing anything else all game definitely is hard. So for him to do it his whole career, we know he's the best DH of all time. Yeah. So DHing, especially when you think about it, you're sitting on the bench, probably might get up on the, in the first inning more, more times than not. I'd say if you're a good DH. Uh, and you sit on the bench for another two, three innings, something like that, and you get cold again, and you're not as loose, you're not as limber as you would be if you're running around in the outfield and hitting at the same time. Makes me think of uh, an NFL kicker who's done nothing all game, has had no opportunities to kick, but he gets sent out there with two seconds on the clock in the fourth quarter and is expected to hit a game winner. That's not easy to just all of a sudden be ready to perform and do your job like that after you've been sitting on the bench all day. So DH is hard. That's all I got. Yeah, I, uh, I completely agree. And um, yeah, it's going to be uh, certainly going to be interesting to see what, um, yeah, what, what the vote totals are for Ortiz next year. You guys think I'll wear a twins hat in the hall. <laughs> what? You guys think I'll wear a twins hat when he gets in. I, I hope so. Definitely. Uh, I would definitely. You know, um, Schilling, his last choice was to put a Sox hat on him. Really? Why? His first choice is his first choice, the D backs, then the Phillies. Oh, really? First I yeah. D backs for anything. He's really just sticking it to the Sox. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing, I think, is just there could be a way, a better way of doing it. But um, yeah, no players in the hall. The class from 2020, who was it? It was Jeter and. Who was the other player? Um, was wasn't there one more? Hold on, I gotta look this up. There was. Peter got him. Was John Smoltz twenty twenty or twenty nineteen? He was like twenty fifteen, I think. Was I thought he was like twenty nineteen. Uh, I thought he was with Pedro and Randy, right? 
a couple years ago. Oh, why can't I find this? All right, uh, Derek Jeter and Larry Walker. That's what it was. Yeah. Oh, it was 2015. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, they'll be honored this year at Cooperstown. And then 2022, I think, could be a really interesting uh, go on the ballot. So we'll see where that goes. Anyways, we have teased this next part a couple times now. We are very excited for this. The inaugural Ask Gonebridge segment. We ask you guys to send in questions, DMs on uh, Instagram and Twitter, and we got uh, we got a good amount of them. So we're gonna go over here, and you know we're still looking for questions. So if you're listening and you're like, "Hey, I want to be featured on the show," send them in. Like we're yeah. more than happy to uh, to answer them. So we will start with a question sent in by Marcello. Hopefully. We said your name right. I th- hope so. I hope so. That is my goal. All right. Let me that one. Marcello asks, if someone told you after sales struck out Manny Machado in 2018 that the killer bees would be gone for 2021, would you believe them? No. I would, no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. You kidding me? I mean, the thing is that Benny's still here. But uh, when this question – so we put this out about a week ago. Um, for people to send in. So at the time, the rumors for Andrew Benintendi were much more ripe that he was going to go. Uh, so he's still around, but it, I mean, Bradley's basically gone. Betts is gone. And if you told me after that, that um, they were going to be gone, I'd be like, you're crazy. All three of them. I think if you told me even Mookie Betts was going to be gone, I would have called you crazy. I'd spit in your face. Like, like get out of here. I would be like, why would they trade away the second best player in baseball just to save some money? Are you kidding me? This dude was just MVP. We won a World Series with him. This team's a wagon. You're going to trade Mookie Betts? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, for me, it's a crazy thought because, yeah, we were just talking about wind dance repeat, and those guys were like, you know, the social media stars. It was like, they win a game. Like, who's going to be the player who dances? Like, what are they going to do? It was a huge marketing thing. Yeah, the, the, the pictures and – you know, even I talked with Rajay Davis a couple months ago, and he he only played like a couple games for the team. But when he was out there, he ended up doing the dance and like crossed up Joe Kelly. Like it was awesome. Oh, yeah. People were so into it. And I mean, just the fact that I mean, they stopped doing it, but that the three of them might be gone. It's it's crazy and honestly pretty sad. There's a tweet that I love from uh, Hubs. If you anybody knows who that is, he's the barstool writer for the Yankees. It was when we were at peak doing Wind Dance Repeat, and he said, my worst nightmare is to have the Red Sox come into Yankee Stadium and knock us out of the playoffs and to watch those three win and win and dance on our grave in our own stadium. So that was that just sits in my mind. Yeah, sits in it. I think they ended at, what, 2017 they stopped doing it? Yeah. Yeah, um, it was like a year thing. Yeah, but it was pretty cool. I mean, I it remember was – Remember how JBJ would do, like, the skis – yeah, the skis. Betts would do like the Carlton oh, dance. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was it was awesome. What did Benny so, do? Did he do like um, a Michael Jackson? Yeah, he did the Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. awesome. There's a vi- there's like a video too of um like a bunch of it was like Stephen Wright and a bunch of like other players like like suggesting what they should do. It was really cheesy, but I mean it was a huge thing at the time. So Marcello, no, uh that's pretty crazy, honestly. Uh, next question comes in from Noah. He says, if you could pick one former Sox player in their prime to come back, 
who would you pick? It's a good uh, question. I want you two to go first. I get, I get two answers here. All right. Okay. Well, assuming that no matter what, the player in question lives up to his prime stats, regardless of like era or anything like that, I feel like you have to go with Ted Williams. Interesting. I was, uh, he was one of my two. I think I'm about to say your other one. For me, it's, it's very easy. It's Pedro. Yeah, yeah, those were my two. I mean, come on. Because I think I think you can make a very strong argument to say if you have a guy who's hitting 400 in your lineup, then you're gonna your wins above replacement is like through the ceiling. Oh, it's insane. You're gonna win like 10 more games. He literally was seriously. But then if you put Pedro in and he's prime Pedro, he's gonna win you 20 games. So it's like it's one of those you're boosting your game. Your your wins by like at least ten. All right, I think I've got a I've got a good way to gauge this. So right now with the current roster that we have, I know that pitching is a lot weaker. But if you if tomorrow they're like prime Pedro is the number one in that rotation, or Ted Williams is, you know, a top of the lineup hitter, what would you rather have? What do you think improves that team more? Because for me, I think it's Pedro. Ted Williams plays every day. I think, actually, I think it's Pedro. I think it's Pedro. Teddy Ballgame plays every day, baby. I know, but, like, you go out every day. Like, well, I know right. last week we were saying about how, like, when when you wake up and see that Mike Kickham is starting, like, your day is screwed. When you wake up and see that Pedro is starting, like, you might as well just – Pedro day all go wrong. Yeah, yeah nothing could go wrong. wrong. Pedro is probably a top five pitcher of all time. You could, you know, argue certain things here and there. But he pitched in the steroid era, was the best pitcher in the league. And who would I who would be more exciting to watch while they're playing? Pedro. I would it would definitely be more exciting to watch Pedro go out there and pitch for however many innings than it would be to watch Teddy Ball game have four at bats and go you know, for the one other question I have um about this before we move on to the next one is would Ted Williams be able to, you know, he would have like a nicer bat. Like think of all this technology. I mean, Pedro played relatively recently, but like Ted Williams was playing in the forties and he was still raking. Like think of him with like a nicer bat, nicer glove. Like, I mean, I think you would do well, that's, that's why I, I prefaced it with the fact that he would have to be guaranteed to put up the exact same prime stats that he did because Pitching is so much different nowadays, obviously. Mm -hmm. They throw harder. um, And the pitches themselves, there's probably more pitches that people throw than there were back then. So it's it's tough to say whether or not Ted Williams would actually be good nowadays. But if you're guaranteed his prime stats, then that's kind of something you can't. We also need to take into account, granted, we're not in any wars right now, but if a war broke out, Ted Williams is booking it. That's a yeah, he's, country, bro. That's a good he's hopping in the planes. Pedro's not going anywhere. You know, he got shot down one time. Yeah, I'd believe it. Ted Williams is a badass. Um, so no, yeah, he was invincible. I think that either that. I mean, listen, you can't go wrong with either of them. And I mean, there are other guys too, like David Ortiz and stuff like that. But I mean, Pedro. <laughs> and, you really but, wanted to. Yeah, but I mean, for me, Pedro. Actually, and, I take it back. I want. Give me Nomai. All right. <laughs> Where are I you mean, gonna put him? 
dude. Put, put him anywhere. Second base. No more guys to par. He's no more. <laughs> well, he can sell mean? hot dogs in the stands for all I care. Oh my gosh, I need I need just one of these guys to come back. It'd be unbelievable. Anyways, next question. Um, we'll do two more here. Uh, this one comes in from Matt. He says, "Rate your top five favorite off seasons as a Red Sox fan." I think for this one, what did we say? We're each gonna just say one because five is kind of a lot. Yeah. Okay. For me, say like one or two. All right, Steve, you wanna lead it off? Uh, I actually am trying. All right. So yeah. All right. <laughs> so I will. I will. Number one, for like being legit, the most excited I was. Uh, for like the upcoming season and the players that we acquired, it would probably be the 2016 and 2017 off season. We traded for Chris sale. I was trying, I was dying to get Chris sale for the past, probably like two years, something like that. Everybody knew that we were linked with Chris sale for a long time. He was absolute money when he pitches, when he actually plays. So that was very exciting. I don't even know who else we got that off season. And it doesn't even really matter to me because Chris Sale was the guy. And number two, because I absolutely love this, in the 2018 spring training, do you guys remember when Joe Kelly dressed up as that guy, Jim Buchanan? Jim Buchanan of JW something Punta Gorda. That was awesome. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was one of my favorite things of all time. I don't know if you count that as like an off season because he did during spring training, but I wanted to mention it because Jim Buchanan was hilarious and I miss you, Joe Kelly. I agree. If I you mean, don't know what I'm talking about, please. <laughs> it's please it's so funny. It's awesome. Um, for me, I would say um, I have two and one of them. I hate to say that I was excited, but I'm going to roll with it because at the time it was the first one for me was 2010 into 2011 we get adrian gonzalez and carl crawford i mean i was still i would have been nine years old at the time but that was like kind of one of the first moments where i really realized like the power of free agency and i was like holy crap like we're stacked now and they were good that whole year and then september they were like we forgot how to play baseball um and then the other one for me I'm sorry I have to say this, but 2014 going into 2015, Pablo Sandoval was like the big thing. They were like Pablo and Anley, two-headed uh, monster, and neither of them even made it to the end of their contracts with the team. But people forget that we also got Rick Porcello that offseason. And uh, pretty rookie. we were pretty mediocre that next year. But uh, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of hope at the time after a really bad 2014 team. And uh, – yeah, neither of those neither of those off seasons really translated into titles. But for me, those were the ones where I think I was the most excited. Yeah, I got those. Those were actually going to be my two because that was one. I like, I mean, I, I was. Oh, Klausner's frozen. Jeez, nine and Klaus, thirteen years old. Like Hanley oh, and Pablo, and I was. I was still a very innocent. Doesn't understand that these things. Blossom. Time out, buddy. <laughs> start over. Start over. You were just, you were just uh, like frozen and stuff. I'll cut that out. So start over. All right. Word. All right. Gotta say, 2010 and 2014 were gonna be two choices because back then I was like nine and 13 years old, so I was still a very innocent Red Sox fan that didn't realize that 
these things never work out. So I was very hopeful for that group of guys. So you guys pretty much mentioned my top five. So the one I'll say is probably my, the one I was most excited about because at this point I had learned that things never work out and the Red Sox were just going to let me down except when they got JD Martinez and Alex Cora in 2017, because AC was the guy and they needed JD and they got both of them. And I was like, all right, this team's winning a world series now. Cause they had sailed the last off season. They got rid of John Farrell, thank God. And yes. they needed a power guy. They had all three of them. So I was just ready to go at that point. It translated. No, I agree with that. That it was a great off season. I agree. You knew that you were so close to actually getting that title and you felt it. You felt mm-hmm. it. As soon as they got JD and even before that Cora, you knew you felt like this was going to be something special. So that what year that was a good pick. That was a yeah, really great pick. Um and I, I forgot if I mentioned, but that question came in from Matt. And we'll move into the last Definitely question. Matt, not Hall. Matt, not Hall. Definitely Matt, not Hall. If it was Matt, real Hall, we would not be answering his question. Um, our fourth question comes in from Hunter. And he says, would you have a guest on as a fourth host? Would love to join in on a discussion. Um, so this one's... Hold on. uh- he said, you said guest. I think he phrased it more as like a listener slash like right. as a guest. Yeah. So basically, would we have like one of you guys on as like a guest, as a fourth member of our team for the episode? Um, this one's kind of a hard one. Uh, we've been asked this a lot, actually, which really means a lot to us because we really appreciate all of you listening. Um, the simple answer is no. However, we are coming up with a way to get more people involved. In fact, um, yeah, I'll just say what we're thinking right now. So we had had a thought that, um, you know, so Section 10 had us on their show. We were a very small podcast um, and we want to give back and do something like that. So we don't know when, probably um, probably in six months or something around then, we want to do something where we do like a little contest. Like if you have a small baseball podcast or Red Sox podcast that um, you're really passionate about, um, you know, you tweet at us and we'll pick a show every six months to a year and we'll have you on and we'll do an episode with you. Um, that was kind of the original thought. Um, if you guys want to build off that a little bit. Yeah. Like, uh, like Gardner said, we are so grateful that people would even want to do that to even want to come on our show and talk about baseball with us. The thing about it is right now is this is only going to be episode, what, 13, 13. something like that. And we're still growing. We're still relatively small. We're a lot bigger than we were when we started out. And we're still finding our own chemistry. It's getting a lot better. And we're trying to get better at doing this whole podcasting thing. And having a fourth person on for a whole episode who is just a listener and might not have any experience at all on doing a podcast might make it a little hard for us to make sure that we're always getting better to produce more and better content for you guys. So that's right. where we're at right now. But like Gardner said, we want to interact with you guys as much as possible. And even a segment like this, where you send us DMs, I think is a really good way to do that. Definitely. Um, yeah. Cause I was going to say that um, with section 10, I had, I had interviewed Steve in the past. I had talked with Steve um, before 
Um, I'm not saying that we were totally knew what we were doing when we got on there, but um, it's not like, like when I texted Steve, like he, he remembered who I was. So um, yeah, but if you hear this and you're like, Hey, I want to do that in the future, start up a baseball show or a Red Sox show or like literally anything. Like we, um, we want to help people out like section 10 with, did with us and uh, give back. So we will be putting out more information once that show gets closer. I don't know when, but uh, we kind of want to make that a little like running tradition on, on gone bridge where we do that. And we think that would be fun. So. Yeah. Closing, closing thoughts or notes. Uh, so I meant closing thoughts on that, but if you got nothing, we can just get on to notes with Boston. Oh, closing thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, keep hitting us up on Twitter, Instagram. We love talking with you guys in the DMs, in the replies. Yeah, so, yeah. I love DMs. When we get a DM, it's like Christmas morning. Steve is the fastest man ever. Like It really I, is. Like, he will notify us so quickly once we get a DM. It's awesome. For some reason, Instagram notifies me about it. Oh, I don't know if you guys okay. are logged into the Gone Bridge account on uh, your Instagram, too. Uh, if I, like, double tap the bottom right corner, I just switch accounts, like, left and right. So, that's yeah. sending me notifications. Yeah. Yeah, I'm able to do that. My favorite thing. Please keep sending us DMs. Yeah, so we love we love interacting with you guys, honestly. But uh, yeah, that's the plan for that. Um, all right, we'll move into a quick notes with Clawson. I think you got a couple things, and then we'll wrap up with uh, closing out the ninth. And yeah, what a time! Yeah, I got two. Uh, both come from Twitter. All right, there we go. So both come from Twitter. First, our good friend Steve Cohen. Lost quite a bit of money in the last couple of days, apparently. So you guys know the whole stock market thing with all those weird stocks like exploding yeah, and all the absolutely. hedge fund guys I'm really getting mad. Yeah. Apparently, I'm that Steve Cohen is a big hedge fund guy, and apparently he lost a reported one billion dollars in the stock wow. market wow. in the last couple of days. Listen, I, I was mad when I bought something and then couldn't sell it, and I lost like fifteen dollars. So I can't even imagine. Billion dollars. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think he's worth like thirteen billion, billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I definitely don't have that. I think it's money. all in hedge funds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it'll it'll come back. Yeah, I'm not worried. The whole yeah, know, Steve Cohen is coming, the whole wrong. stock market thing is just crazy right now. Yeah. Bananas. So weird. Other. So my second one, this one's kind of funny. You guys ever seen Barry Bonds' Twitter account? <laughs> Barry Bonds is a Twitter? What? Yeah. Was not aware so of that. So if you guys haven't seen it, I'll see if I can pull it up real quick. But his profile picture is so funny. <laughs> I'll have to pull it up too. I can see it. Let's see here. So his, let's see if I can. Yeah, I found it. It's at Barry Bonds. And his picture looks like a high school senior picture. It does. Like his profile. Oh my gosh. (laughs) He's got this pressed white button up shirt on. He's taking like a candid picture, you know, standing next to a tree. He's got his like, why didn't he just pick holding on to a branch? Yep. Yes. Any senior girl who posts, like any high school senior who's a girl who takes pictures, this is the exact. Can't wait for senior year. Like, this is the exact picture and pose that they do. Like, not looking at the camera. Like, this, I love this. Solid note. So, I, don't, I mean, I don't know why you didn't, I don't know why you didn't pick a baseball picture. I don't know if he has a family. I'm assuming not, I mean, but he did. He I don't know why he didn't pick something. 
I don't know why I didn't pick something a little more appropriate, but you know, if he wants to do a high school senior picture as his pro, as his Twitter picture, more power to him. Let the man live. One other thing that makes me really sad about Barry Bonds is uh, I don't know if, if I don't even think you guys know this about me. I'm a huge Kanye West fan and Kanye West has a song called Barry Bonds and it's possibly one of his worst. And that just, it saddens me that a name like that can get thrown around with such a, such a mediocre song, but what what album is that on uh graduation i think was lil wayne on it i think lil wayne's on it and it's like somehow not that great um anyways like is it about barry bonds claus and i don't uh, yeah you're asking too much now (laughs) i have no idea is that your last yeah one listen to it do two two notes with claus is that what we usually do claus internet is just i mean do you want a third i don't know do you have a third do you want a third i do have i have a bunch yeah it's insulting if you ask if i have another (laughs) (laughs) so you want to know who miles garrett is football player yeah yeah yeah. you guys know who amir garrett is baseball player Uh, oh yeah wasn't he the guy who like took on the whole pirates team in a fight yeah, big big reliever from the Reds. Yeah. They look exactly the same, not related at all. Hmm. Interesting. I think it's also funny that Miles Garrett um, threw his helmet at Mason Randolph and Amir Garrett tried to fight the whole Pirates team. So maybe there's a little something there where they might be related and just love fighting. Yeah, just not related at all. They look I, – they could be twins. Oh, do they though? <laughs> I mean, you tell me. I'm trying. They look exactly this. They look like brothers. All right. They look similar. Oh, let's see. They oh, look yeah. very no, similar. They look very the first similar. time I saw Amir Garrett pitch, I was like, did Miles Garrett just switch to baseball and I didn't hear about it? <laughs> similar, not identical. It's a good point. Good point. All right. We'll close out very the ninth well could here. Be brothers. Very well could be. Closing out the ninth. Um, yeah. I actually, I'll start. I got one thing. My closing out the ninth thought isn't a thought. It's actually a question for Steve. Steve, how did we feel about your favorite MLB shortstop, Andrelton Simmons, getting signed to the Minnesota Twins? Uh, I'm happy because he's out of that trash organization in Anaheim known as the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. By the way, it's a stupid name. Just pick one city. I'm glad you're out of there, Simmons. Be great on the Twins, like I know you can be. Um, is he still a – so you've said multiple times that he's a future Hall of Famer. There's a future Hall of Famer – Whoa, whoa, whoa. Multiple times. I don't know about multiple times. Well, I mean, you only have to say it once for, like, your opinion to count. He could be. He could be. Does a At future Hall times. of Famer only get $10 million in the prime of his career? Um, depends who you ask. Well, I – tend to think not so uh, hey man hey. look his his war i don't want to hear about his <laughs> war i right. don't well, like andrelton simmons you're wrong anyways it's a bad opinion. that's my closing out the ninth thought what do you guys got my closing out the ninth thought is that you have a bad opinion and simmons is great and 10 million dollars is a lot of money I would take $10 million. Yeah, I mean, obviously I would take $10 million, but for a future Hall of Famer, no. I just don't – I mean, I don't think he's a horrible player, but the hype that you give him is just 
it's non-warranted. Dude, I sound like I'm hyping him up every episode. I know, but I mean, like, you've you've have said that you think that he could be a Hall of Famer. I mean, statistically, it's possible. People like you hate on him. Yeah, but. I wouldn't vote for him, and people would probably get pissed and ask what for that as Ask you for don't have a vote, so it doesn't matter. I don't have a vote, and I probably will never get a vote, so it's fine. I see. Question, Gardner, is Clausen frozen for you too? Yep. <laughs> All right. Might not have a closing out the ninth from Clausen. So, okay. what do you if what do you imagine his closing out the ninth thought would have been? Um, that's a good question. Uh. I think that he would probably say something about something he saw on Twitter that he thought was funny that like didn't really relate to the Red Sox, but was like, he's gone. He's completely (laughs) gone. Uh, I, I, I don't know, like something interesting. I think that his closing up the ninth thought uh, was going to be something to do with the Woo Sox for sure. And hold on one second while I look at this. I was going to say his closing out the ninth thought was going to be griping about the seven road intersection next to the stadium. Hold on. His, uh, we got a thing, a thing happened today where we got a follow from Joe Bradley. Oh yeah. We got followed by the vice president of baseball operations and community relations of the at Wooster Sox. I think that would have been Clausen's closing up the ninth. Shout out to that guy. Yeah, pretty cool. If you want to collaborate, Conbridge and the Woo Sox. Goes together like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he is completely gone now. Um, anyways, yeah. Shout out Joe Bradley for shooting us a follow. Oh, he's back. <laughs> wow. I, we, well, so I, I heard that last part, but I clearly wasn't here. You were not. Yeah, here. we got a nice follow on Twitter from the VP of baseball operations by the Woo Sox. Was that going to be your closing up the ninth thought? Definitely not, but I can okay. roll with it. So, yeah, right. if he's listening, expect a DM. Um, <laughs> We'd love the, to work uh, with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not going to straight up ask for tickets, but we're going to be somewhat asking for tickets. So it's going to be insinuated the fact that you should give us tickets. I drove through um, Worcester the other day, and the amount of Woo Sox ads going through the city, I was like, let's go. Can't wait. Um, yeah, and my final thing before I fully close this out um, – I'm back on campus. Steve's back on campus. Clawson, by the time this is out, you'll be back on campus too. And uh, maybe next week we'll have our first in-person recording session. A COVID safe in-person. COVID safe. Yeah. UNH takes COVID very seriously. So we, uh, we'll figure something out. And actually Clawson and I are our neighbors. So pretty pumped about that. Very excited. Very excited about that. That was completely coincidental. But anyways, thank you everybody for listening. If you enjoyed what you're listening to, you can find our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, shoot us a follow on Instagram at Gonebridge Podcast and Twitter at Gonebridge. As always, we love hearing from you guys. DMs on both platforms. So if you ever want to be more involved in the show, shoot us something and uh, we'll see what we can do. Anyways, we will be back next week, hopefully in person with episode 14. See ya.